So one size fits all? Yeah, I don't think so. You're listening to Braving Bad Bosses with Jeff DeWolf and Todd Chandler, where we discuss how to survive a bad boss and not be one. Welcome back to Season 3 of Braving Bad Bosses, where we focus on breaking the cycle that has been in place for so long in terms of bad bosses. So we're taking a little time this season to maybe take a break from exploring the behaviors of bad bosses and, and maybe flipping the tables a little bit to talk about what are the behaviors that we should be focused on um, if we really want to be bosses in real life and not just uh, you know on paper. So this is Jeff DeWolf. I'm here Again, um, flying solo without my partner Todd Chandler for just a little while as he focuses on some other big priorities, and uh, I wish him luck in those things, and I can't wait to have him back. So I am notorious for buying stuff that doesn't quite fit. I, I can't really explain it, but uh, yeah, I go to Kohl's. I don't know if anybody goes to Kohl's, but I get these. I get this like this 30% off coupon in the mail, and it's like crack cocaine. I mean, it's like I have this compulsion. Like I can't let that that time period go by without at least going to Kohl's and seeing if I can find some really good deals. Our, our, our joke around our house is, you know, I don't know how Kohl's stays in business because we go in there and we find all the stuff on the sale rack and then they give us 30% off on top of that. Can't tell you how many $18 sport coats I, I have had in my closet and, and maybe ended up at Goodwill. But I have this problem where um, if I see a really good deal on something, I will talk my brain into the fact that it fits. I have pairs of shoes. I get running shoes. I'm a good size 12, you know, in most brands. I'll find a pair of running shoes. They don't have 12 because it's on the discount rack, 30% off and everything else. And I'm like, man, I can get these things for 20 bucks. And so I'll, I'll squeeze into an 11 and a half and I'll talk myself into this. and be like, This works. This works. I'll just wear thin socks. You know, doesn't work. Let me just tell you. And my wife just has a field day with this because I'll bring something home and I'll be like, look what I got. I got this deal. And it, you know what? It just doesn't fit. And sure enough, it goes in my closet, and, you know, a year or two later, it goes into the bag for Goodwill, and I go, okay, I'm not going to keep doing that. Why do I tell you all that? It's because one size does not fit all, and a size that doesn't fit doesn't feel right. And so when it comes to leadership, one of the, one of the concepts that I have found to be very, very important is that we need to understand our people, and, and we need to have the mindset, really, that says, I have to be willing to adjust. So... Let me, let me go backwards. So bad bosses do this. Bad bosses, they think they don't need to adjust their style. They think that their approach, you know, that they, they own their approach, they deserve their approach, they've made it to this, this level of boss, and now everyone really kind of needs to get with my program. And, and I, I got to tell you, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. People are unique creatures. People are very individual. And the best bosses are those that understand that, you know, they understand that they need to adjust their style in terms of leadership and giving direction and communicating and all of those things to fit the style of their people. It just doesn't work to, to think that I'm going to just have this one kind of approach and everyone is, is going to get along and everyone's going to enjoy that and everyone's going to do good work. Um, it just doesn't work. It's a pipe dream. So that's really the main kind of theme of this next few minutes I want to spend with you is just understanding that, that we have to become students of our people, and that will result in us making some changes in the way we communicate, sometimes on an individual level, and even sometimes as, the, as a situation emerges for a particular individual that needs a different approach from us. So let me unpack this a little bit. There are really two things that I want to talk about today. The first one is personality type, and the second one is something I call readiness level. 
All right, so let's jump into personality type. I'm, I'll be honest, I am a complete personality junkie. I'm a personality assessment fanboy, if you will. I just can't get enough of it. I've, I've had an interest for decades in this, and it really started probably 30 or 35 years ago when someone introduced me to Myers-Briggs and um, something called the Kiersey Temperament Sorter, which I think is like a, a shorter version of the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And that really got me started on this journey of being interested in, in this unique uniqueness of personality. And I really look at personality like this. I look at personality like you might look at our physical bodies. When we see people, we encounter people, for the most part, unless there's, there's some sort of, of a deformity or some sort of an injury, we, ha- we have a lot of similarities, right? Most of us have two arms, two legs, two eyes, two ears. You, you kind of get the idea. But yet each one is very unique, the way they're put together in the size and the shape and so on. Personality, I think, is a lot like that. There is an underlying wiring that allows us to type people, that allows us to put people into, into categories, to understand ourselves and our tendencies, because there's more similarities below the surface than there are, you know, wild variances. Now, that's not to say everyone's the same, right? We're, we're all unique, very unique, and we're shaped by our experiences and our upbringing and everything else. But it's so fun to, to study personality and see that there are some, there are some similarities. And, and when we uncover those, it can allow us to make adjustments in the way we lead and just the way we, we manage our own behavior even. So personality is amazing. So I really love all of them. Uh, I mentioned Myers-Briggs, but I love the DISC assessment, even the Enneagram. If you've ever looked into that, very fascinating. Some people say even the most ancient of personality assessment tools. But um, regardless of the one you like the best, I just highly recommend that you, you study it for self-awareness and self-assessment, but also for how I can better lead my people. Um, if you're interested in the DISC assessment, I, I am a certified facilitator and uh, provider of the DISC assessments, everything DISC assessments by Wiley. So if you're interested in that, you can hit my website and, and request those. But any, any assessment that you choose is going to be better than none. So that wiring, that underlying personality type has a, has a profound impact on what a person needs and wants, right? And so that applies to their boss too. So what people need and want from their boss is, is influenced by their underlying personality type, what their strengths are, what their needs are, what their weaknesses are. And here's the secret. When our people get what they need or what they feel they want, it leads to performance, it leads to retention. It leads to job happiness when, when people's needs are being met. Not rocket science, right? So study your people, you know, find your own assessment. But I highly recommend become a student of your people. Matter of fact, I'm going to include a link in the show notes or on the webpage at bravingbadbosses.com. Go to bravingbadbosses.com, scroll down, find this episode. I'm going to include a link to a couple of pages on my website that give you a, a, a back-of-the-napkin way to assess a personality's type using the DISC assessment without even buying an assessment. Um, it's obviously not as accurate as going through the full 82-question assessment online, but you know there are some resources out there in the world that you can get for free, that you can read about some of these different types, what they mean, what the tendencies are. Um, But I've got a back of the napkin tool that will help you think about each one of the people on your team or even your coworkers or your boss and get pretty close to triangulating which of the four main disc types they may be. And then based on that, what you can learn about how to interact with them. So I'm going to include that for you. So the second thing I want to talk about today is something called readiness, the readiness level, because personality is just a piece of the puzzle. Really, the origin of readiness comes from uh, Ken Blanchard's work in situational leadership. So if, if anyone's ever 
looked into situational leadership training, the the assessment. There's a whole methodology that he's created decades ago that, that that's really fascinating. And matter of fact, of all the leadership and management training programs I took over the years, that manual stayed on my on my shelf for, for decades through several moves, while most of the training programs went into the trash can when I changed jobs. That one stayed with me, and situational leadership is a great tool. Matter of fact, you can engage in situational leadership uh, through my website, through a partner that I, I have out of St. Louis that does a terrific job with that, that methodology. But that, in some cases, especially in my workshops where it's, they're 90 minutes or two hours, you don't have time to go into all of the detail that he goes into with that. And so I, I simplify the idea of readiness into something I call the willing and able assessment. And so if you think about when a person is ready to do something, they are both willing and able to do it. And so um, there's a really simple way to think about a task or a project, something you're about ready to ask a person to do. Maybe it's a part of their job description. Maybe it's a special project. And I use a little four-box model where you plot willingness and ability and where that dot is placed, where that intersection occurs, is in a box that that then goes to step two, which is um, explains maybe how you need to adjust your leadership approach for that particular situation based on the willingness and ability of the employee. So it's a great tool. It's very difficult to talk about that in like five minutes here on the on the podcast, but if you're interested in that, I'm going to include a link to the show notes on that as well. It's one of the most impactful elements of the real-life leadership program that people talk about. After it's all done, they remember this model. It's, it's a very simple way to pinpoint maybe what you need to do from a leadership standpoint that will allow you to get the results you need to get from an individual based on the situation that they're in. So highly recommend that. As I said earlier, it's very easy as a leader to just be lazy and say, you know what, my approach is to be directive. My approach is to be directive. I get very, or, or my approach is to be highly detail-oriented. And so, um, yeah, yeah, regardless of the person, I, I get involved in the details and I kind of hover over them and I make sure because it's important to me that it's perfect. You know, we talk about that as just as an example of the fact that if you act that way with a person who is both highly willing and highly able, very capable, very experienced, and you still take a hovering kind of micromanaging approach, it results in tragedy. (laughs) You know, it just results in a terrible situation. You've got this person who really should be empowered, who should have autonomy, who can be trusted, and yet you're not adjusting your style in light of that. It's a very logical style when you're dealing with someone who is maybe very new, very inexperienced, very low on the ability scale, regardless of whether or not they're high on the, on the uh, willingness scale. So they may be very willing, kind of a put-me-in-coach type of person, but if they're very low on the ability scale, just, just from lack of experience or skill level, we have to be a little bit more involved, right? And so that's just a little primer to, to get you thinking about the fact that once we understand readiness, once we understand personality, we can adjust our leadership style for maximum effectiveness. So those are the two main points that I wanted to make. Um, And right on schedule, there's Hell's Bells. So to provide a little structure to our wrap-up time, I'm going to take a page right out of the book that I just published uh, called Leaders Lead, and I go to the chapter of understanding people. At the end of each little short chapter in that book, there are three points, five questions, and one action. So I'm going to just review those things because that I think you know that's going to give you a summary. So let's do it. So the three points I want you to remember, that leading our people well really requires that we recognize them as individuals. We need to seek to understand their motivators, their stressors, their natural strengths, and their inherent limitations. That's, that's key. Number two, understanding the core personality type of our people allows us to ensure that they get from us what they need to be most comfortable and successful at work. And number three, 
Assessing whether people are ready for an assignment or a job duty means making sure that they have both the willingness and the ability. And once we understand where they are, we can then make adjustments on whether we're going to be more empowering or more prescriptive, more telling, or more assisting, all of those kinds of ideas. All right, five questions to consider really quickly. Number one, do I see each person on my team as a valuable, unique individual who wants to be fully known by me? Number two, how well do I really know the people reporting to me on a personal level? Number three, am I starting to shift my leadership approach based on each employee's readiness or not? You know, do I, am, am I the type of leader that expects people to just sort of snap to it, get with my program? Number four, do I see my people as just resources or do I see them as relationships? really changes the way you look at your team, I think. And number five, would I be described as a leader who is devoted to my people? If your people were interviewed, how would they describe your level of devotion to them? I use the word devotion, I think, just as an aside, because I think it communicates an, an interest in, in people, an interest in understanding people. You know, when you're devoted to someone, you take seriously their needs, you take seriously who they are as a person, and you get to know them. All right, so if there's one action to take, Start to become a student of your people. Use a personality assessment. Like I said, contact me if you want to do the full-blown everything DISC assessment. Otherwise, use the link in the show notes and practice. Or go get some free tool off the internet. At this point, anything you can do to start to understand the strengths and the weaknesses, the limitations of your people are going to be great. So that's your one action to take. With that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. Looking forward to our next session. Can't wait to, uh, to unpack another, another idea, another way to break the cycle of bad leadership. And so just remember, you can break the cycle of bad leadership when you put in place the mindset and skill set of real-life leadership. Leadership.